From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. Hospitalizations for COVID-19 have reached an all-time high across the country. 5,439 people are now in hospital with the virus. Once again, COVID-19 case numbers, hospitalizations and deaths are rising. In the past week, more than 320,000 Australians have registered a COVID-positive result. But this current Omicron wave is yet to hit its peak. This new wave of infections has prompted new warnings from health experts. My message today is that there is a new variant of COVID-19. It is circulating uh, in the community and it poses a significant new threat. The reason for that is because it's much more infectious than uh, earlier variants. This is the BA5 variant. Those experts warn new strains of the virus are more infectious and more resistant to our current vaccines. The antibodies that we've produced from the vaccine or from prior infections uh, appear to be less effective against this BA5 variant, probably in the order of two to fourfold compared to, let's say, BA1. So how are we responding to this threat? This is going to be a tough few weeks for Australia. Case numbers are rising and hospitalisations are rising as well. That's a particular concern for all governments and for the broader community. And should we be taking the opportunity to plot a different course before infections peak? Today, lead researcher at the Kirby Institute, Brian McIntyre, on hope, denial and COVID-19. It's Monday, August 1. Rainer, would you mind just introducing yourself as a way to get us started? Sure. I'm Rainer McIntyre. I'm a public health physician and I'm an academic and researcher at the Kirby Institute at the University of New South Wales. And are you still advising the World Health Organization? I'm on a couple of working groups for the WHO, including the COVID vaccination composition technical advisory group and the SAGE ad hoc working group on monkeypox and smallpox. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Rainer, the last time that you and I spoke, that was back in April, so three months ago. And at that time, COVID case numbers were rising. There were two and a half thousand Australians in hospital. That figure has now doubled to 5,000 and we're not even at the peak of this wave of infections. So what do you think when you look around now at the situation that we've found ourselves in? Well, it's unfortunate really because there are preventable hospitalizations and preventable deaths, preventable long COVID all occurring in real time. And we... (laughs) A lot of people have got the message that the pandemic is over, you know, and I think some people genuinely have believed that. And so as a society, there's been far less concern about COVID than there was, say, a year ago, and people really haven't been adequately informed or empowered to do the things that they can do to improve their own protection. Okay, so a lot less concern within the community than we've seen in the past, but we are in the midst of a wave of infections. So could you tell me a bit about the strains of the virus that we're seeing now, the BA4 and BA5 variants? So they are part of the Omicron group of subvariants, and they are very, very distant to the original virus that emerged in 2020, and that was the virus that the vaccines are made against. 
which means that there's more what we call vaccine escape now with especially BA4 and 5, which have more immune evasion, so the ability to evade the immune system and the antibodies we've developed through the vaccines. It doesn't mean vaccines don't work. They do work. They're really important. But vaccines alone are not enough. You need more than just vaccines because this virus is so quick in mutating and evading the protections we've got. So that includes masks and really everybody The more people are wearing masks, the more protection we'll get. And then, you know, we need to address safe indoor air, and that can be achieved through ventilation, which could be as simple as opening a window or using an air purifier. And those are not the only measures. Testing and tracing are really important too. Testing is important because when you identify people who are infected, then those people can isolate and not infect others. If nobody's getting tested because testing is difficult to come across or it's expensive, then there's going to be infected people who are just mildly symptomatic or not symptomatic, wandering around and infecting other people. And so you get this snowballing effect of a growing epidemic. Mm. And Rana, when we spoke last, you you mentioned a lot of these measures and you also predicted what would happen if new strains of the virus emerged. So it seems like we knew or we, we should have known that a lot of this might happen. A lot of what you said has come true. Yeah, I really think it's like the... Um, Kubler-Ross stages of grief, you know, which is denial, anger, and a few other steps, and then you get to acceptance at the end. And I think most of us in society and everywhere in the world are stuck somewhere between denial and anger. And you can't blame people because that's been the dominant global narrative. The pandemic's over, you know, and um, let's just live our lives. But, you know, the virus has other ideas. We'll be back in a moment. For Sloane Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. As a a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points with links to full articles from a range of sources. Get the news you need to your inbox every weekday morning with Post. Sign up at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. Raina, are we now at the point where we need to accept that COVID-19 is here to stay, that it will keep mutating and it will keep infecting us? I think the sooner we accept that, the better off we'll all be because then we can start doing the things we need to do to actually adapt to live with the virus better. And the the way to do that is not to just, you know, deny that it's real and to just carry on as if nothing was happening. That would be the equivalent of, you know, in a nuclear holocaust saying, you know, I'm sick of this and I'm going out to play. You know, that's fine. You can go out and play, but you're going to get radiation sickness and uh, you might die from that. So I think... 
that acceptance will come, but unfortunately I think it won't be for a while yet and I think there'll be a lot of suffering and loss that will have to occur before societies as a whole accept that we have to adapt and actually learn to use different strategies to mitigate the damage this virus causes. Mm. And if that is the case, if things are permanently changed from COVID-19, what does that mean for for what the world looks like? Because different countries have approached COVID in very different ways, haven't they? They have, but I think the one thing that doesn't get talked about as much as it should get talked about is the chronic complications of COVID, even mild COVID. There's just been a study that's just come out that showed that in people with mild COVID who did not need to be hospitalised, the risk of long COVID is actually higher in younger people aged 18 to 30 compared to people over 30. And that's a worry. That's the generation that's going to carry us into the future and be the future of the world, them and our children. So what is the effect of multiple reinfections on young people and children? You know, we've sort of flipped it around to only focus on the acute illness, which we know is more severe in older people. But what about long COVID? I suspect that countries that have not done enough to mitigate transmission will have substantial burdens of chronic disease and disability as a result of COVID. And that's a combination of the impacts on the heart, so heart failure, on the lungs, respiratory failure, and on the brain and the nervous system, neurocognitive deficits, including dementia is possible. You know, Alzheimer's associations in the world are already measuring and looking at this, expecting to see a rise in dementia and immunological effects. There's now good evidence that the virus actually affects our T cells and our immune system and you get a sort of malfunctioning immune system after COVID in a substantial proportion of people. And the more reinfections you get, the worse that gets in some cases. So in whole populations, you know, even if 10% of the population has these complications, that's going to have an enormous societal health systems and economic burden. This pandemic has been a catastrophic event globally. And despite a lot of people kind of denying it and saying it's back to normal, everything's good, it's had a catastrophic impact and it's going to keep having a catastrophic impact, including the long-term effects on, on human health. So what do you think is likely to happen next then in the short term? What is the next iteration of the pandemic going to look like? <laughs> well, there's many different ways it could go in terms of how much damage it's going to cause. I think Australia is in a unique position. We don't have to necessarily just blindly follow other countries like the UK and the US, I don't think those are good models to follow anyway. We've got a chance to kind of set our own path and take our own destiny into our hands and make it better for Australians into the future. That partly it's about bringing people together as well to try, you know, it's, it's a very difficult thing that we're facing with this pandemic. And the easier option for leadership, which is what we've seen, you know, in the last couple of years, is to divide people, to set people against each other. And um, that's what we've seen. We've seen a lot of hostility and animosity. And the enemy is the virus. It's not other people, you know. I hope that the new government will 
try to unite people and take us through this journey together rather than divided. Mm. Because ultimately COVID-19 is here now and, and it's not going away. Yeah, and we have to deal with it. We have to actually, you know, accept that uh, there is a problem and deal with it. Mm. I have to say, your words are optimistic, but your tone, <laughs> your tone isn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, I think for Australia, there is hope and there is, um, we're at a kind of crossroads. It, it really will depend on a lot of things and decisions that are made and how things go from here on. There's, there's many possible futures. Raina, thank you so much. Okay, thanks so much. Bye. Mahler's music embodies the very essence of humanity. Experience his epic Song of the Earth with the Australian Chamber Orchestra, Richard Tognetti and internationally acclaimed opera stars Stuart Skelton and Catherine Carby. Opens May 12. Book now at aco.com.au. Also in the news today, campaigners for the Uluru Statement from the Heart have welcomed Prime Minister Anthony Albanese's landmark speech at Gama this weekend, where he outlined his support for a voice to Parliament committed to a referendum this term and suggested a possible question. He said the question could be as simple as, do you support an alteration to the constitution that establishes an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice? And Indigenous leaders and entertainers have paid tribute to Archie Roach, who's died at the age of 66. The musician was an advocate for Indigenous rights and the stolen generations of which he was a member. The Prime Minister said our country has lost a brilliant talent, a powerful and prolific national truth teller. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.